Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Gary Chevalier. (laughs) Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Hey, all right, you are awake. Happy Daylight Savings to you. As Pastor Mike said, it is early, but listen, I want to let you know, we brewed extra coffee for you today. So if you, in the middle of this message, find the need to get up and go get another cup of coffee, hey, listen, no judgment here. All right, I just ask you to do the courteous thing and bring me a cup too, okay? <laughs> uh, so today we're kicking off this brand new series called Seriously Exploring the Oxymorons of Christianity. Now, you've heard the term oxymoron before, right? Okay, so it, no, it is not the annoying guy who sells OxyClean on TV. All right, and it's not even a reference to someone who is really dumb. Like he's not just a moron; he's an oxymoron. It's not. It's not that. Okay, actually, oxymoron isn't even an insult at all. Okay, Webster's says this about an oxymoron: it's really basically two contrasting words or ideas, opposites that are put together to form one single cohesive thought. Right. So here are some ones that maybe you've heard before. Perhaps you've heard the oxymoron "icy hot." right? Icy and hot, they don't really seem to go together, but if you've ever put that stuff on your body, you know what it's talking about, right? (laughs) Okay, or what about this? Awfully good. If something is awfully good. Or I've heard some of our military veterans say, you want to hear an oxymoron? How about military intelligence? (laughs) And I'm teaching my, my youngest daughter to drive right now, and we've learned the definition of a rolling stop. Right? Oxymorons are all around us. Sometimes you hear it and it makes sense. And you're like, oh yeah, I got that. And sometimes an oxymoron just kind of makes you scratch your head and you're like, what? Because you don't really get it without experiencing it. Right? There's a scene in the movie Cars that really encapsulates this. And so for like the 0.1% of you in this room who may not have seen the movie Cars, let me set it up for you. Um, Doc Hudson is an old school retired race car and he has given some advice to this young hotshot race car called Lightning McQueen. Let's see what happens. Ask me if you could come down here. All he's trying to do is make that their turn. Oh, great. Hmm. Every track I've ever raced. Sheriff, why don't you go get yourself a quart of oil and flows? I'll keep an eye on it. Well, thanks, Doc. I didn't feel a quart low. This ain't asphalt, son. This is dirt. Oh, great. What do you want? You here to glow? You don't have three-wheel brakes, so you've got to pitch it hard, break it loose, and, and just drive it with a throttle. Give it too much, you'll be out of the dirt and into the tulips. So you're a judge, doctor, and a racing expert. I'll put it simple. If you're going hard enough left, you'll find yourself turning right. Oh, right. That makes perfect sense. Turn right to go left. Yes! Thank you! Or should I say no thank you? Because in opposite world, maybe that really means thank you! Crazy grandpa car. What an idiot. Turn right to the left. Oh. Oh, 
<laughs> All right. Hey, who votes we just keep watching the movie? <laughs> no, that's crazy talk, right? To go left, you got to turn right. Doesn't make any sense. And have you ever felt that way with God? Like he's telling you to do something, and no matter what you try, it doesn't, doesn't work. It just blows up in your face, and you end off flying into the cavern, becoming a pincushion for a cactus. Because, I mean, there's some parts of Scripture that just don't make sense, right? You read them, and you're like, seriously, God? You want me to do what? So throughout this series, we're going to examine some of those confusing oxymoron type parts of scripture and we're going to dig into them so we can kind of understand them and so you can actually put them into practice in your life because when you do it is going to make all the difference in the world so today we're going to talk about three scriptures that Jesus not only said but he lived and he modeled for us because really if you think about it Jesus really was a walking oxymoron for the Jewish culture the things that he did or didn't do the things that he said, the way that he treated people, the way that he taught everything about Christ challenged the first century culture. And honestly, it still challenges the 21st century culture that we live in today. Because our culture tells us, if you ain't first, you're last. And that those who have the gold make the rules. And he who dies with the most toys wins, right? That's what our culture says. But that's not it. See, life Life is not a competition. Life is a rescue mission. That's why Jesus came to earth. That's why he lived the way he lived, to teach us to live a life that is countercultural and focused on others. Because I'm here to tell you, when you live focused on others, people see that, and it makes them scratch their heads. And they think, seriously? Because when they see these oxymorons played out in your life for real, it makes them consider their own actions. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how so many people become open to hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's because they see these oxymorons become real in your life and they want to know more about it. It's why Jesus did what he did. It's why he called us to live that way. So pull out your message notes, if you will, please. Let's dig into this, and let's answer the question together. How does Jesus want us to live so that these oxymorons become real in our life and we can become great in the eyes of the Lord? And the first thing is this. Number one, it's your first feeling. is if I want to save my life, I have to lose it. If I want to save my life, I have to lose it. Luke 9.24 says this. It says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. So on first reading, that sounds kind of like Doc telling Lightning, if you want to go right, you have to go left. If you want to save your life, you have to lose it? I mean, how does that work? Because the last time I checked, when you lose something, you no longer have it anymore. So how do you save it by not having it anymore? Well, here you go. So in this case, Jesus is not talking about physically losing your life. What he's talking about is your desire for yourself in your life. That's what he's talking about. In order to really live, to save your life, you have to lose your selfish desires, your desire for you. And listen, that concept is extremely countercultural because of our society and what we do and what we teach. I mean, we've got self-help, self-care, self-promotion, self-image. We have the selfie for crying out loud, your phone has a category for pictures called selfies. How did that happen? I didn't even do it on purpose. It was just there one day. 
the desire for self in our society is rampant. And if you think about it, what's the quickest way to promote yourself? It's to degrade others. It's addition by subtraction. It's if I make them look worse, I appear better. And so that's what we've learned to do. I mean, think about politics. I hate election season. Like, I'm so glad I have a DVR so I can just skip past all that junk on TV because all it is is negative, 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 negative. And speaking of TV, think for a minute about the TV shows or the movies that you watch. How often is the laughter generated from the negative and putting someone down, making a joke at someone else's expense? Take a step back and think about that. You're just going to find out it's going to be more than you think. Or have you been on social media recently? What percentage of social media would you say is people putting other people down to make themselves and their opinions look better? And more pointedly, how much of your social media is putting others down to make yourself or your opinions look better? And listen, I get it. It is a natural response. It's a natural desire that when you feel attacked or when someone says something about a belief that you have that you hold dear, you want to seek to set the record straight. You want to step up and say, no, 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 that's not true. And I get that. But listen, when you take that step to, to set the record straight and prove how right you are, at that the point, that's when you're trying to save your life. You're trying to save yourself. And what does Scripture say? What does Jesus say in this? Look back at Luke 9.24. He says, but whoever will lose your life for me. Take your pen and circle for me. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. For my sake. For my plan. For my agenda. Showing Jesus' love at the expense of yourself That is losing your life for Jesus' sake. Giving away your pride. That is when you will save your life. Jesus, he lived that countercultural life. He taught people how to live in God's economy that way of denying self for other people. And you know what? He did that for three years and they killed him for it. They wouldn't receive it. They wouldn't accept it. And actually, Scripture tells us that Jesus willingly laid down his life for us. And he died the worst kind of death. He died a criminal's death when he had done nothing wrong. He did that for you, and he did that for me. And he showed us that this life is not about us. It's about people. Everything that you do should be about promoting Jesus Christ and serving other people. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about this church. It's about Jesus. That's what it is. That's when you find your hope and your joy and your peace. That is when you save your life, is when you put it away all for Jesus Christ. And some of you in this room right now, you haven't made that decision yet to follow Jesus. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you to do it right now lose yourself lose your life for the sake of Jesus Christ at the bottom of your message notes on the back there's a sample prayer that you can pray that will lead you to becoming a Christ follower to into that relationship with Jesus now I want to encourage you to take a moment and pray that prayer if you haven't 
Choose to follow Jesus and take that step into greatness by denying yourself and losing your life for him right now. Okay, the second thing that Christ teaches us is very similar to the first. It's this. Number two on your message notes is if I want to be exalted, I have to be humble. If I want to be exalted, I have to be humble. So scripture tells us a story about one day Jesus had been invited to a, a, really a feast, a, a party at the home of one of the Pharisees, which were the religious rulers of the day, right? And so uh, as we go through, it was kind of one of those, you know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer kind of thing. The Pharisees were really trying to spend more time around Jesus so they could trap him by something he said, so they could take what he says and use it against him. And so... They get around, do the feast or whatever, and Jesus notices uh, that when they're all sitting down at the table, he looks at the Pharisees and how they're all, you know, jockeying for position, trying to get the best seats at the table to show how important they are. I mean, that would never happen today, right? That's what I love about the Bible. People are people. Today, then, it doesn't matter. The same thing's happening. And so Jesus notices this, and in pure Jesus style, the way only he can, he looks at them. And he calls them out on their pettiness. And he starts telling a story about, you know, when you're invited to a feast, don't seek the places of honor because you don't know who's been invited. Someone more important than you may come and then the host of the party has to move you out of the way. And wouldn't that be embarrassing? And this is what he says. It's Luke chapter 14, verse 10. But when you are invited, take the lowest place. So when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, Move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all who exalt themselves will be humble. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now listen, everyone loves to be praised and receive recognition for the good things that they do and, and to feel special. And anyone who says otherwise is not being honest with themselves. Now listen, not everybody wants the spotlight. Not everybody wants to be, you know, stood up in front of thousands of people. But deep down, everyone loves to receive praise for who they are and what they do. It's natural. So this concept of choosing the lowest seat is really countercultural. It's not who we are. Finding that lesser position, deferring to self, someone else, it's not natural. But then again, remember, Jesus was a walking oxymoron, and he showed us that's how we're supposed to do it. The Apostle Paul says it like this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I remember several years ago, I was flying on a, a global mission trip. We were headed off across the sea. There was a large group of us from our church. And uh, I was sitting at the terminal, and I was excited to see that I had got an aisle seat for the long flight. I was stoked, okay? So there's a guy sitting next to me from our church. He had, his name was Cody, and he had a middle seat somewhere. Well, <clears throat> a lady um, the, at, the, at the gate, the flight attendant, called my name over the intercom. And so I walked up to the counter, and she was like, Sir, we have overbooked coach for this flight, and I'd like to upgrade you to first class for no charge. 
And I was like, shushing! Because I've never done first class anything in my life, okay? I'm the dude that won't pay $15 to get to pick my seat on the plane or to get an A boarding group with Southwest. I won't do it. So I spend a lot of time in middle seats, right? So in order, I mean, to get upgraded to first class, the heavens were opening and I was like, thank you, Jesus. And then I heard myself say, Cody, it's a long flight and you've got a middle seat. Why don't you take the upgrade? Honestly, I have no idea where that came from. It just came out. Cody had wandered up to the counter with me for whatever reason, and I saw him, and it just happened. I know what it's like to ride in the middle seat, and I just, before I even thought, I said it. And after the flight, you know, I saw him, and he was all telling me, he was saying thank you, and then he was telling me about, you know, how much leg room he had, and the seats were so comfy, and... He had free cocktails and ate steak for dinner, and I was thinking about the rubbery chicken-like substance that I had eaten, and I've got to be honest, it was hard to be happy for him. I was like, so glad, Cody. But shortly after that, the lead pastor of our church, my boss, found me. He was on the trip too, and he said there was a couple that was at the gate that had sought him out, and they weren't a part of our church but they figured out we were with the church group and they asked around till they found him. They went up and said that they had overheard me giving up that seat to Cody and how refreshing they found it that in this day and age, someone would give up a blessing for someone else. Then he went on to tell me how proud he was of me and how thankful he was to have me on his staff and that how he really liked how I cared for the people in our church even when I thought no one was looking. And I'm like, man, that was such, such an uplifting thing. I'm so, so glad that, that that happened. Again, accidentally as it was. And then the lead pastor, uh, he looked at me and said, and I still can't figure out why you didn't take the upgrade and give him your aisle seat. <laughs> if I had a time machine. Now look, I I almost didn't include that story this morning because I don't want it to seem like I got it figured out because obviously I don't. I still stink it up all the time. But that happens to be a moment, I think, where I I got it right and I got it right without even choosing it. It just, it was instinct for me in that moment because Philippians 2.3 has been so grounded into me since I chose to follow Christ. And that's in humility, value others above yourself. And that has just become a part of my DNA and who I am. And I listen, I believe to my core that if everyone would just follow that scripture, what kind of world would we live in? Families would thrive if you considered others more valuable. Hunger would be abolished. Crime and violence would go away. Human trafficking would be extinct. Picture a world where everyone values others. No wonder Jesus lived that way and taught us to live that way. Now, listen, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? The Bible is not telling you 
that everyone else is better than you and you have no value. That's not what Scripture says at all. It says that we should treat other people as if they have more value than we do. And if everyone treats everyone else that way, man. And listen, I'm not saying that you can't enjoy a blessing when it comes your way. God gives good gifts to his children and he loves to do it. It's not wrong. It's not bad to have ambitions and dreams and desires and hopes and the things that you want for you or for your family. None of that is bad. But, and this is a big but, when you start to put those things ahead of what God wants, when, when you start to promote that at the expense of others, that's when Jesus says you're going about it all wrong. So look, I don't, I don't know what living in humility looks like for you. Maybe, maybe it means not stepping on your coworkers to get the promotion that you want. Maybe it means going to your boss and telling him about the good stuff that you're seeing your coworkers doing that he or she may not be seeing. You know, maybe, maybe it means uh, throttling back on creating the perfect image on social media so that everyone thinks you have it all figured out because honestly we know no one has it all figured out maybe that's what living in humility looks like for you uh, maybe it's not saying unkind things about that person at school that you can't stand or the person at work that you don't like maybe it means actually being nice to them I don't know what it looks like but I know this that Jesus has called you to live in humility and when you value humility you value others. And when you value others, that keeps you humble. Finally, the last one, last oxymoron we're going to look at this morning is found in the book of Mark. It's chapter 10, verse 43. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 says this, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Now, I'm pretty sure serving others is not going to make the BuzzFeed top 10 list of ways to be great. All right? But it's not about your bank account to be great. It's not about how many followers you have to be great. Jesus tells us if we want to be great, we have to serve others. Like an indentured servant, like service as a lifestyle, service without recognition. Be the slave of all in some translations. I like to call that living outside of yourself. Because when you step out of the desire for self and you go beyond the boundary of everything I do is for me, everything I do becomes for others and for Christ, that is living outside yourself. What does that look like? I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it means helping a single parent out with transportation for their kid or children. Maybe it means helping single moms or widows uh, with things around their house that need to be done or running to the grocery store or something like that. Maybe it means serving somewhere like in our kids' ministry coming up at Easter or maybe it means serving on Wednesday nights in Brookshire. Uh, maybe it means going on a mission trip like our, our missions team that's in Nicaragua this week. They gave up their spring break 
to go to Nicaragua to drill a water well for people who don't have clean water just so they can tell them about Jesus. That's living outside yourself. I mean, there's innumerable ways that you can do it. I don't know what it looks like for you, but Jesus said to do it. So find out what it is for you and serve other people. All right, let's, la- let's wrap up this morning with one final scripture. It's found in Luke. It's 9.23. It says this, Then he, this is talking about Jesus, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now take your pen real quick and underline deny themselves. Underline take up their cross daily. And then underline follow me. Those three statements encapsulate this message. Deny self. That's from Luke 14, 10 through 11. It means this. Deny self is to value others through humble living. The next one. Take up your cross. It really equals this. To lose your life for me. That's Luke 9, 24 that we talked about. And finally, follow Jesus is be a servant of all. Be a servant of all. It's fun to note when Jesus said, follow me in that, in that verse in Luke 9, 23, that's the same follow me that he told the disciples when he was calling them from away from their fishing boats and their fishing nets and said, hey, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus was calling them to serve. You know, there's someone in the church I know who really exemplifies this verse. Uh, She actually was a part of this church at the beginning, 15 years ago, and she's been a part of it all the way through. Uh, She never chose a spot that that puts her up front. She never really has chosen to serve in a way that that, uh, gives her praise. And actually, the place she serves, you don't get noticed when you do it right. You only get noticed if you do it wrong. Her name is Marcella Fife. Um, For the last 15 years, she has served every week in the worship and media ministry, running the screens and slides and the song lyrics. She started off when the church started in Cinco Ranch High School, and she moved, she opened this facility, and then when the church launched the North Campus, she went with the North Campus and helped launch the North Campus as well. She served there for faithfully for 15 years. And honestly, it was comical talking to the guys who have been here that long because they were trying to figure out how many times she's missed a Sunday. And between them, they can only come up with four. Only four Sundays that she's missed in the last 15 years. And that includes both times that her house flooded with Hurricane Harvey last year and the tax day flood the year before. Four Sundays. Telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that is a picture of someone who has taken up a life of service without recognition. So listen, Marcella is not here. She's not in the service. Uh, as a matter of fact, she's over at the North Campus serving uh, this morning. But this is going to find its way online, and I'm going to make sure that she sees it. So I want to ask you guys, in Marcella's honor, will you please for a moment stand, and let's give her some recognition for all that she has done.
All right, thank you. You may be seated. Again, I'll make sure that Marcella sees that. She doesn't serve for applause, but it's so nice to be able to give it to her because that is a picture of a life that's great. That is a picture of a life that has lost itself to serve others. That's the picture of a life of someone who knows what it is to be first by being last. Selfless, humble, like Jesus, countercultural, just like Christ. Seriously. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you for the example that you gave us of how we are to live. God, in the kind of world you've designed for us, if we will just get ourselves out of the way and serve you by serving others. God, I thank you for people like Marcella and the countless people in our church uh, like her, God, who serve every week in and out. God, not for recognition, but for you, for other people. Uh, God, so that your name will be exalted and your name will be glorified. Father, may you empower all of us to live to our potential, to live outside of ourselves, to show love to other people, to be humble and to give our lives away in deference to you. I pray that for each and every person in this room, God. Make it real in our lives this week. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.